What is up, everybody, to the nations worldwide? This is episode 74 of the Travel Couple Podcast, where we introduce you to couple travelers who offer their advice on how you can travel the world together while earning money living that travel lifestyle. We're your hosts, Mike Pletz and Natalie. Tune in every Wednesday as we interview couples living a travel lifestyle, get relationship advice about being on the road with your significant other, and listen how others are struggling and thriving in their personal and business lives while traveling the world. This is your one-stop podcast for travel, relationship, and business goals. In this episode, we're joined by Josh and Rachel of the Hevacosts. They are a travel couple who decided to hop on a motorcycle and travel from Seattle to Argentina. We talk with them about love languages and the logistics of a motorcycle road trip through multiple countries. So without further ado, here's our interview with Josh and Rachel. Today we are joined by Josh and Rachel of the Havocos. They are an American travel couple who are riding their motorcycles from Seattle to Argentina. You can follow their trip on their Instagram at the Havocos or on their website at www.thehavocos.com. That's H-A-V-E-K-O-S-T-S. Hello Josh and Rachel and welcome to the show. Hey Mike, glad to be here. Thanks so much for joining me here today. I just want to get started to get to know a little bit more about the two of you and kind of like what you guys are doing and how you met. Did you? Can you guys give us a little background on all that? Yeah, so um, we met almost 10 years ago. Um, we were both working at the front desk of a gym. Um, I was actually saving up for a backpacking trip through Asia and Josh um, was supplementing. Um, he had a window cleaning business and it was the winter so it was low season so we, it was both of our kind of second jobs and that's how we met amazing and where did this kind of idea to go on this motorcycle journey come from i think it's something that i've been kind of talking about to friends family um for several years i don't i can't really pinpoint when it exactly started but for a long time i've been saying someday you know someday i want to ride my motorcycle to south america and uh, it, it was just sort of like, that's the thing that I picked to dream about, I guess. And you, did you guys kind of bond when you first met over this love of travel? Was this love of travel always there? Did one influence the other? I think we both were really into traveling. Um, I, I mean, Josh had done a couple. He had, he'd lived in South uh, Africa for a little bit um, through a, a school um, exchange program. And then he had done some backpacking in Europe with some buddies. Um, and traveling had always been a part of my, uh, family growing up. So I also was really interested in it. So it was something that we both, um, individually were very passionate about. So what made you guys say, this is the time, this is when we're doing it. Like what was the culmination in, in deciding that you guys are going on this trip? Well, we got married two years ago and, we were, were from Seattle and we were living on the east side of Washington state while Rachel went to uh, graduate school to get a degree in mental health counseling. And, um, I had continued working the job I was working. I was selling commercial lighting and, um, not, wasn't necessarily my passion in life. Um, and I kept saying I wanted to just ride the motorcycle to Argentina, but I just wasn't sure where where that was actually going to fit into my life. So it was kind of a semi shelved dream. Um, and then when we got married, actually Rachel in her wedding vows to me said, 
I vow to someday ride your motorcycle with you to Argentina. And that was the first time that it had become like, oh, we could do this together. And eventually she decided that the program wasn't a good fit for her, the, the career of mental health counseling, and uh, which I fully supported. And at that point, we kind of had to decide, um, you know, what's our next step in life? We don't have children. We didn't own a home. So this might be the time to make that dream happen. So uh, things kind of went into motion and we started saving up for the next about eight to 10 months. Then we hit the road. I, I want to talk to you about your travels so far on this journey. But before I start talking to you about all this, I like to ask a simple two-word question to all of our guests that we have on the show. It's a simple two-word question, but for so many, it has such a complex response. And that is, why travel? Well, I think it might be different for both of us, and we might share some things too. So I'll I'll go, and then I'll let Josh answer too. But for me, like when I when I travel, it's kind of a reminder that um, that there's not one way to live life, and people people are living their life in so many different ways, and I often can get really stuck in my head about like oh, Western society and Western culture is like the only way to do things. And I get really trapped in a, in feeling like I need to have a good career or I need to have, I need to make a lot of money or whatever it is that Western culture is kind of telling me I have to do. And anytime I travel, it just, it rips that notion apart. And it reminds me that there are people that are living in all kinds of different ways. And I get to choose how I want to live my life because there's not one right way to do it. So I think that's the biggest thing for me. Um, and I don't know about Josh, but he can answer for himself. Yeah. I thought that was a super answer. I, I totally agree with that. I think um, there is some element to me of, I think I was worried early on in my travel experiences that thinking like, am I just running from quote unquote, the real world? And I think there's some, anxiety that's alleviated for me when traveling because if I have free time while I'm in Ecuador, um, it's not the same as just like sitting at, at home in Seattle and thinking, oh, I should be doing something. I should be doing this. I should be making progress here. I have a little, or anytime I'm traveling, I feel like it's more acceptable for me to have free time and space to go for a walk, go for a hike, read my book in the middle of the afternoon and not feel like I should be doing something else, something more productive or um, along those lines. So I agree with echo Rachel's answer and, and add that little bit, I think. Excellent. Excellent. And I want to get into where you guys were last on this stop, where are you right now? And then where are you going to be traveling to next? What's the next destination on the bike? Yeah. So um, we, we've been in Ecuador for about six weeks um, and prior to where we are right now, we were in Cuenca, which is a, uh, I would say it's like a medium sized city in the south central part of Ecuador. Um, very, uh, it has a very European feel, small cobblestone streets, lots of cafes and squares and churches, um, right along a river surrounded by mountains. Um, and we spent about two weeks there. We really, really liked that city. Um, and now we are in Vilcabamba, which is, um, it's in the Andes and it's very, I don't know. It kind of reminds me of, um, uh, something that maybe people can 
relate to is sort of like an Arizona, Sedona, like red, rich colored mountains. Some of them have like flat tops, dry trees. Um, but it's like, it's warm, but not too hot, not too dry. Um, and it's a very, very small little town kind of nestled in the mountains. And we're staying at a, um, they call it a hosteria, but it's, it feels like we're staying in a retreat center. Um, it's a big compound with, um, it ranges from dormitories to private apartments and there's a, a yoga shala and there's free yoga in the morning and there's a restaurant and a spa and a pool. Um, but it's incredibly affordable. So a lot of backpackers, um, stay here. And then after this, we're going to cross the border to Peru and we're heading to um, a small town called Chachapoyas, which is kind of in the, the jungle, lots of waterfalls and that type of thing in mountains. Amazing. And then when is when did this motorcycle trip start and then when is it going to end or is there an end date in mind? Yikes, scary. <laughs> um, yeah, we we do our, a lot of bouncing back and forth of thinking about that and then trying not to um, the end part. But we started we left uh, Seattle November 17th and Rachel flew down to San Francisco because it was winter or you know it's cold weather and so i rode the motorcycle down to san francisco and so we started november 20th and then um it took us about until may so six months a little over six months to get to quito and then we did some other traveling um we had some friends weddings to attend some weddings to film and photograph um so we had some other travel this summer we returned to quito about a month and a half ago um, so we've been basically traveling and without a true home for about nine and a half, 10 months. And we are heading down to Patagonia and we're kind of thinking that this segment of the trip, the motorcycle through South America part might be wrapping up December or January, 2020. Um, because then the weather will be good down in the Southern part of South America and we have no idea if that what that means at that point if that means head back and um re-enter our former lives or fly sell the motorcycle and fly to southeast asia or we we really have no idea at this point gotcha gotcha so i mean during this trip you guys have obviously experienced a lot of things together been through a lot of things together and i want to talk about some of these things with you starting with what has been the most rewarding experience on this journey together something that really opened up your eyes to a culture or maybe even to each other and just really blew you away I'm I'm not sure if I'd call it if I would say rewarding was the right word but when you said what opened up your eyes um for me, a big part was we spent three months in Mexico. And um, even as people who had traveled before and, you know, people people in the U.S. tend to think that Mexico is a really dangerous place. And it really opened up my eyes riding through on a motorcycle because you really on a motorcycle, you really get to see every part of a country. Um, just the sheer size of Mexico, the friendliness of the people and um you know, we were of the the group of people who said, you know, we know it's not really that dangerous. The media just reports on only the bad stuff. Um, we've traveled before, but it was eye opening to realize that some of that messaging had sunk into us a little bit. And so when we first crossed into Mexico, we were a little bit on edge or concerned. And 
after spending a few months in Mexico, I just realized, man, this is a, first of all, humongous country. And second of all, people are great. The vast majority of the people, we didn't meet anybody bad. Um, it was just eye opening to realize like, wow, one of our closest neighbors to the South. And I really had a skewed perception of them, even though I didn't think I did. Yeah, and we have the same uh, perception up here in Canada. And when myself and Natalie went to Mexico in May, it really blew that perception away. Like Mexico City was such a beautiful city to visit, and uh, we had such a great time there. And it, it totally goes against what you see in the media. Completely, it's uh, Mexico City's fantastic. I mean, there were, there are countless cities. We we I would kind of always when we talked about the trip before we left, I would tell people. You know, I basically say we're going to drop down through Mexico, hit Central America and then into South America. It was like drop down through Mexico ended up taking three months because there was so much to see and so many great cities. So it was I I don't want to say it was an afterthought, but it was it was surprising to me how much we liked it. Now, turning this into another direction, I'm sure on a motorcycle You've had some interesting experiences, uh, some, let's say, awkward, embarrassing, or maybe even hilarious travel experiences that you guys have had on your journey so far. Do you have one that you'd want to share with us? Um, the, the only embarrassing thing I, I thought of right off the bat was um, we have just so much, we have a lot of stuff on the motorcycle, and there are two of us on it, so, and you kind of have, you fill the space you have, so we have a lot of weight on the bike, and um at slow speeds, it can be a little bit hard for me to manage sometimes. So one time we were had spent several hours riding and I pulled up right in front of a restaurant and there were several people eating out front, you know, and I pulled into the parking spot and promptly just tipped the bike right over on the ground. And so um, they, they all watched me do it and I couldn't pick it up because there's so much stuff on it and such a heavy motorcycle. So a bunch of guys had to run out of the restaurant and help me pick it up. And then we went in and sat down and I was the guy who just drop the bike right out in front of everybody. Gotcha, gotcha. That's a good one for sure. And then what about uh, bad experiences, bad travel experiences, or your worst travel experience on your trip? Because with travel comes a lot of unpredictable things, problems that you need to solve together. And uh, do you have something like this that you'd want to share with us? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not been... I mean, there's definitely been a lot of times where we've um, run into problems. And I think most of those, most of those problems are just like Josh and I struggling to communicate more than us, like having a problem with, um, a local or with a hotel or something. Um, and which is funny to me because like that can happen anywhere, you know, it doesn't have to be while you're traveling, like two people, if they can't communicate well, like it's going to be a problem no matter where you are. Um, I think, the only the only the thing that comes to mind where we had a pro- we had a problem that was like actually a logistic problem was pretty early on in our trip. Um, we so when you cross when you cross the border with a vehicle, there's a lot of different things you have to do than when you just cross a border as a human. And when we when we crossed into Mexico in Tijuana, we were just so excited to be like to be on the trip and to be like to be in Mexico that we kind of just blazed through the border and nobody stopped us at the border. We kind of just drove right through and there was a green light and we were waved through. And there weren't, it wasn't like when you go to Canada and there's like an officer there who checks your passport and then lets you through. It was just, we just rode right into Tijuana. 
Um, so we spent two weeks in Baja, California, and then we got to La Paz and we were going to take a boat from La Paz to Mazatlan with the bike. And we kept, Josh kept kind of reading that there was this form that we needed to have that we hadn't gotten at the border in Tijuana. And apparently when you cross the border, you have, you need to know that you have to pull the vehicle over and go to a different building, check yourself in, check the bike in and get this paperwork stamped. And we hadn't done that. And so we, we were reading online that maybe in La Paz, we could go to the airport and they would do it for us, or we could go um, to immigration and they would do it for us. And we went to the immigration office and the lady basically told us, no, you can't, you cannot do that here. It's illegal. You have to go back to the Tijuana border. So we ended up having to buy plane tickets from La Paz to Tijuana, going to the airport uh, immigration office in Tijuana, getting the paperwork, getting the stamp, flew back to La Paz, and then we were able to get on the boat to Mazatlan. And after you say that, I mean, I can definitely see with, you know, doing a road trip like this where you're going through several countries, all the logistical problems that you need to solve beforehand and that you're going to encounter. And I remember a few months back, or I don't remember exactly when it was, I saw one of your Instagram stories where you were at, uh, I, I believe it was a border crossing or somewhere that they were taking your bike apart to, to look through it to make sure that you're okay to cross the border. Was that the case or d- does that ring a bell, what I'm talking about? I think what you're talking about is when we crossed into Belize. And we didn't have a receipt for the paperwork that we had gotten in Mexico for the bike. And because even though we had the paperwork and like you can't get it without paying for it, we didn't have a receipt. So they couldn't they made us pay for it again because we didn't have a receipt to prove that we had paid for the paperwork that we had with us for the motorcycle, (laughs) which was (laughs) drove Josh absolutely bonkers. (laughs) And that was our first country. So like in my previous chapters of my life, like inefficiencies like that would kind of just drive me crazy. Like why, you know, why would you set the border crossing up this way? You know? And I think it's actually really helped me become a more calm person because I just have to laugh at the, you know, it's hilariously inefficient to cross some of these borders because you have to go to 10 different windows instead of one. And they're not, geographically arranged in any way that makes any sense either. So you got to go to the end of the line to talk to somebody. And um, so now I just have to laugh about it. But the other thing is to other people, you know, that might want to travel or travel with a vehicle. um, It was something that was certainly, I thought of it as a hurdle before we left and I've come to realize, you know, it's, it's totally doable. Like, and I had a feeling one time when we were in, I think we were in Panama and it just hit me like, we just drove our, we could just have gotten in our car after work and driven here if we wanted to, like, it's totally possible. And, um, and it's not that big a deal. You can, you can figure it out. So now I want to start talking to you about how this journey, how this trip has kind of affected your relationship, because no doubt all these different experiences that you've gone through have, you know, put some uh, roadblocks in the way of, you know, developing yourselves as a person and developing yourself as as a couple as well. And you guys have had to problem solve, get past these things and really work on on things in your relationship. How do you feel this this trip has affected your relationship together? And uh, in what ways has it affected your relationship together? Well, I think like to start, I don't I don't think that I would have 
I would have done this trip with Josh if we didn't already have a really, really solid foundation of communication and trust. And we, that's kind of been a priority for us in our, in our relationship since we met was, was communication. And if at any point we were not on the same page, not understanding each other, um, we, we get on the same page and we figure out how to do that. Um, and so we kind of had, we had a foundation of that to begin with. And that has only grown, uh, a lot stronger because we spend every waking minute together every single day and it makes it, it makes it really challenging sometimes for us to both get our needs met because, um, for example, like in my mind, if we're together all day long, I forget that that isn't necessarily intentional quality time together. And Josh might feel like even though we're together all day, he wants to feel like I'm, I'm engaging in like a, a, a conversation with him where I'm really paying attention. And so like even something small like that, like we have to take the time to talk to each other about those things or, um, you know, I, I've had a couple of health issues on this trip and sometimes like that can make me feel really down. And I, and Josh has to, you know, figure out how can he be patient with me and still be, um, you know, validating when I'm not feeling well. And that can really be really challenging when we are leaning on one another a hundred percent of the time and don't have other, um, other resources or friends or family members that we can go have dinner with and talk to them about what's going on, you know? So, um, I think for us, we have just, we've developed so many more communication skills and also we've had to build a lot more self-awareness around our personal needs and how to ask for those. Um, and I think also like we just, I don't know, I, I feel like we are a lot closer. Um, and and that hasn't always been easy, but we, we've worked really hard. So I don't know. It was kind of a gray area answer, but. No, that was really good. And I really liked that you brought up sort of, you know, you're, you're traveling together. You're with each other every minute of the day, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're always spending uh meaningful time together. You can be with each other every minute of the day and not be having that meaningful time that, you know, one person or both of the people in the relationship are craving for. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, totally. And one thing that, um, I don't know, Mike, if you've ever read the book or heard of the love languages. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like, um, for anybody listening, it's an awesome thing to do before you go on a trip with a partner, because for me, quality time is one of my most important things. Um, for Rachel, not as much. So knowing that that's something that I need and I need to ask for and not just assuming that she's going to figure it out is like, I think pretty important. Um, but I was also going to add too that I think that the cool thing about traveling with a couple is, you know, I've been talking about doing this trip for a long time. And if I had made it happen on my own, first of all, the trip would have sucked <laughs> completely. <laughs> uh, I would have written, I would have just written every day, 10 hours a day, not spent any money. Cause I'm, uh, I have been working on being more flexible with my spending habits, but I've been very frugal in the past. So I think I would have lived a miserable, uh, probably three to four months existence down to Argentina and not had any fun or personal growth or anything. So, um, but if I did get some of that personal growth without your partner kind of being there with you, um, I could see how 
you might return home and feel like this different person who had this life changing experience. And if your partner's not on board or, or hasn't had that a similar experience, then you might feel like you've grown apart instead of just having that personal growth together. So, um, I think it's, I think it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. You said that as well, that, that growth, uh, in a relationship really has to happen together. Uh, and you don't really necessarily think about that as an individual. You think about, you know, personal growth and everything like that. But also personal growth needs to be applied to your relationship and your relationship needs to be grown. And if you don't have the same experiences or similar experiences together, you know, one side can feel more left out and left behind almost. Yeah. Yeah. We, we met up, uh, we met a couple other motorcycle travelers on the way and one we met, I won't say his name, but I, I just could kind of get the feeling, um, he was, it was a concern of his because he was doing it by himself and did have a spouse back home. And I, I, I just got the feeling that he was concerned that, um, you know, he had had this experience that had made him think about things a lot differently. And he knew that his wife back home hadn't and, how, how was he going to reintegrate? Was he going to be this new guy that he had transformed himself into and how would she react and all that kind of stuff. So it, I'm, I feel super fortunate that Rachel uh, said she'd come along with, uh, with the motorcycle trip. Absolutely. And when it, when it came to the motorcycle trip, how did you first present it to Rachel or was this like a dream that you would talk to Rachel about? And then Rachel, what, what made you decide that? Yes, this is something that you want to do, whether it was out of your comfort zone or not. So it was kind of like, I think Josh said a little bit earlier, like it was just something that he would just say, like, it wasn't ever, it wasn't like we'd be curling up into bed at night and he'd say, oh, I just, I've been dreaming about this trip. Let me tell you all about my dream of doing this. Or it would just be like, we'd be out to dinner and, and I'd hear him kind of in passing in the conversation say like, yeah, one day I really want to ride my motorcycle to, to Argentina or, you know, like it would just be like a phrase that I would just hear him say often enough that I kind of started to get the impression that it was, it was something he really wanted to do, but maybe didn't know how to get started. And, and then, um, and then we started when we moved to Eastern Washington, he started talking about it in more detail. And he started talking about it like, well, maybe I would go for three months. Do you think you'd be okay by yourself without me for three months? And, and I, you know, I would kind of say like, oh yeah, maybe I'll go to Paris and I'll live there for a couple months. And we kind of threw around some ideas of how Josh could make it work on his own because it was always this idea he had for himself. And I had never really, it had never occurred to me that it would be something that I would want to do with him. Um, and the more that we talked about it, the more I kind of realized that he didn't really want to go alone. Like he was a little bit afraid of what what that would do to our relationship or if it was if it was something he really wanted or how he would make it work. And I and we were planning our wedding while this was all happening. And when I was making my vows, I don't know why, but I just I just thought I'm going to I'm going to vow to go with him and if I do that, then I know we'll go because I'm kind of a, the way I do things is if I say I'm going to do something, then it happens. Um, and Josh is more of a dreamer than me. It's harder for me to kind of imagine something. I just, I kind of, sometimes I hear something else or read something and then I decide to do it and do it. And so I just said I was going to do it in my wedding vows. And then before I knew it, I was leaving my program and we were planning this trip. Um, and I, 
it, it hadn't really like physically or, or logically occurred to me that like, oh yeah, I'm going to be on the back of a motorcycle <laughs> for <laughs> all this time. I had been on the bike maybe three times before we left. Um, so, but I, but I was able to make it, you know, in the planning process, I was able to make it something that I wanted to do because to me, the, the great part about it was that I was going to get to travel. And, um, for me, the, the mode of transportation didn't really sink in until we were actually on the bike. Gotcha. So, Obviously, with this trip, there's lots of planning involved and lots of preparation and with any road trip, really, but especially a motorcycle, because there's not that shelter that you have if you need to, you know, sleep in a parking lot one night or whatever it is. So who takes care of all this planning and all this, you know, preparation for this trip? How did you split this up? And even while you're on the trip, you know, uh, researching the next destination and, and everything that goes into it, how do you guys split this up? Yeah, um, that's a good question. We, before we left, first of all, we, we planned very little because mainly, um, we weren't entirely sure. Like Rachel just mentioned, she'd only been on the bike a few times and we really didn't want to like, we knew there would be challenges and we didn't want to say, you know, it's, it's Argentina or bust and then drag ourselves through Central America being miserable just because we said we were going to do this trip. So, I think because of, because of that, trying not to be too destination oriented, we resisted planning and it's just, it's just so much to plan before you leave. So we just kind of knew we wanted to point the, point the motorcycle south and, um, we would have plenty of time to research as we went. And as we go, we tend to do similar things. Um, like you mentioned, we can't sleep in the motorcycle, but, um, we also don't like to plan too far ahead. So, because for example, we booked two nights at the place we're currently staying and tonight's our sixth night here because we like it so much. So, um, by, by not booking too, too much in advance, we were able to like make changes as we go. Um, usually we book the next town's accommodation when we're ready to leave the following day. Um, and that's helped us be flexible and we kind of take turns. Um, searching and picking out places. And then if someone has spare time, they might just present to the other person say, Hey, I, I was digging through these three hostels and, uh, these two look cool. What do you think? Um, and yeah, I think that's, you know, Rachel, you got something. Oh, I was just going to say, I think we, we learned pretty quickly that if we both were trying to plan the next city, that we would never get anything done because each of us would find something to show the other. And then we would just be, it would turn into this almost competition of who's going to find the best place to stay. So we started to, to just take turns um, and say like, okay, it's your turn to find um, a hostel or, or an Airbnb for the next city. And then that person would know, okay, it's my responsibility to spend some time doing some research and either say, I found a place and I booked it, or I found two options and I'm going to present them here's this one, the pros of it are this, the cons of it are this, here's this other one, pros of this or of it are this, cons are this. Um, let's decide together now that I've done all the research. So it kind of takes, it takes the pressure off of one of us to be the planner all the time, but it also um, makes us feel like we each get a little bit of ownership in finding where we're going to go. Um, but it still feels like collaborative, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, oh, sorry. I was just going to add Oh, thanks. Um, 
I was just going to add that we're very different people when it comes to planning things out. So we've kind of found this balance that works where we do plan ahead as much as we don't get on the bike without knowing where we're going to sleep that night. And simultaneously, we don't have a spreadsheet of the entire continent of everywhere we're going to go. So I think I would fall on, you know, other motorcycle trips I've done in the past with buddies. It's just like, we ride till we're tired, try to find some place to stay. And if it's terrible, well, that's part of the experience. And I had this romantic vision of like, of that happening on this trip. And we, Rachel humored me one time and we, Rachel said, yeah, okay, well, we'll give that a shot one time. I think it was, yeah, it was back in Mexico. And we set off without knowing for sure where we were going to stay that night, but we knew the town and we ended up getting there in the afternoon. We were all hot and sweaty and tired and it turned out there was a rodeo in town that night and there was hardly anywhere to stay. And we ended up having our worst accommodations of the whole trip. So that convinced me that, okay, we can at least plan the day before where we're going to ride to. Nice. And do you guys have any more advice about motorcycling through countries together as a couple? Do you have any more advice you'd want to share uh, with anybody that else that would be interested in doing this? I think um, as a as a passenger, I, I'll give my passenger advice, and then Josh can give his driver advice because I don't ever actually drive the bike. I think for us, like we learned really quickly that it was important for us to figure out how to communicate to each other um, because it's not like being in a car where you can like chat about where you want to stop for lunch or say, "Hey, I have to pee. Can we pull over?" Or um, you can't eat while you're driving. So, um, and we we have helmets that have um, uh, microphones and Bluetooth capability, but my microphone doesn't work. So we've actually never been able to talk to each other in our helmets. So we had to develop some hand signals and tapping to let one another know, like I need to pull over and that kind of a thing. Um, so I think like learning how to figuring out a way to communicate with each other on the motorcycle is important. Um, and the second thing is have the right gear. Like that makes such a huge difference. And the first six months of our trip, um, the gear I had was, um, it wasn't mesh and it didn't have any removable liners. And we were riding in like 90 degree Fahrenheit sometimes. And it was, and what I wear protectively is it's like wearing full snowboard ski gear and a helmet and leather boots and gloves. And so I was just creating a, a steam room inside of my gear and we would get uh, we would get places and I would be drenched in sweat and often feeling awful because I was losing a lot of electrolytes. I was dehydrated and I was pretty miserable um, on ride days because my gear was just not appropriate for the weather. So I would definitely say like gear really, really, really matters. Um, so knowing what the weather is going to be like where you're going um, and making sure that you have the appropriate stuff. Um, so those would be my two pieces of advice. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, uh, my advice would be just do it. I think it's, it's been such an amazing way to see countries, um, that we otherwise would just never, I, on other traveling trips, I'd get on a train or an overnight bus and then wake up in a new place and then do that all over again. And just like maybe in Europe, I'm hitting Berlin, going to Paris, Barcelona and London. And there's just so much in between there that um, motorcycling allows you to see everything. And I think car travel would overland in a car, in a vehicle would be great too. Um, just motorcycling takes it that one step 
further to where you really have to pay attention because like Rachel said, you can't be doing other things. So I say go for it. I would also, this is, this is just, this is the mom in me, but, um, I would also say like, if you're going to, if you're going to be the person driving the motorcycle, like maybe have been doing that for like a little bit of time before you leave, because Josh, like he's been riding motorcycles for more than a decade and riding a motorcycle in Latin America is very, very different than riding it in North America. And I, I trusted that he would know how to handle the roads down here because he's been, he's been maneuvering a two wheeled vehicle for so long. Um, and I, and if it was your first time picking up a bike, I don't know. Maybe that's just because I've crashed so many two wheeled vehicles <laughs> when I, <laughs> when I try and drive them. I'm just, for some reason, they just, we don't, we don't mesh well. Now, I, I want to start talking about what you guys have got going on online, starting with, uh, what you guys have with the Havocosts and your Instagram, your website. But I want to ask you, and I know it's it's obvious, but can you just go about how it developed, why you guys chose it, but where did the name come from? We, before we left on the trip, we kind of tried to balance or try to figure out what we wanted to do because we, Rachel is a wonderful photographer and um, we were trying to figure out like, you know, do we make this an Instagram thing and focus on photography do we film everything we kind of swung back and forth between like fully documenting everything and videotaping everything and making a a show about it versus chucking all of our electronics in a bin and hitting the road and getting off the grid and not not communicating with anybody for a year so and both of those sounded um equally appealing and full of their own challenges so i think we tried to decide somewhere in the middle where we we would take photographs, share it with people, um, use the platforms that were available the best we could to kind of share of our, share our experiences. Um, and yeah, I think the name, well, the name's my last name now, our last name. And we just wanted to keep it simple because we, we tried a couple other things first and it was just like, you know what, what this is just, what, what are we? We're just, we're the have a cost. That's what we are. So let's just be ourselves, try to be as authentic as possible and, um, and share it and see if people like it. Awesome. And with, with what you guys are doing online and everything that you've got going on there comes a lot of work and a lot of work behind the scenes and updating everything daily. Where do you guys find the time for this? How do you guys go about, you know, uh, uh, scheduling all this stuff in and still being able to do what you want to do while you travel? Um, I'm really type A, so <laughs> I uh, I'm always thinking about like, okay, when are we gonna have time to take a photo, and then I'm gonna need to edit it, and then uh, okay, Josh, it's your turn to write a caption, and um, my brain is kind of always on like organization and progress mode. So um, I think I think that was overwhelming for Josh at first because I was always wanting to take a photo when we were somewhere cool. And then I would spend a lot of time editing um, or I would want to sit down and write a blog post. And Josh was very much more like wanting to be where we were or explore. Um, not that those things weren't, you know, interesting for me, but I, my brain kind of, thinks about work a lot. Um, so we sort of developed a system where at least with Instagram, um, we take turns on who writes the caption. So if we know we're going to post a photo that we took on a hike yesterday, 
Um, it might be my turn to write a caption. So I write the caption and then I take care of posting it. Um, or if it's Josh's turn, then it's, then he knows he has to write the caption and then post it. Um, and then as far as like blogging goes, we really don't blog that often, um, because we usually write quite long Instagram captions that, um, sometimes release that, that energy of wanting to write out and process and experience. Um, so we really only sit down to write a full blog post once every couple of weeks. Um, so most of the work really comes in with, you know, taking a photograph and then writing a caption for posting it on Instagram. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that we have like a full on system other than taking turns on writing. And we have kind of come to a point where we only really take a photo if we're somewhere that seems like, really, really beautiful. I mean, we want to make sure that we share it. For sure. And with, with choosing Instagram, what went into deciding like this is going to be the platform that we're going to go with and, and go kind of full steam ahead with? Um, I think the biggest thing was, like I said, we were talking about filming and that editing film, like Rachel spends, first of all, I have it easy because Rachel loves to work. So um, <laughs> she edits and, and loves taking the pictures. Um, but doing film and editing that is a we've done some uh, wedding videography and photography and editing video is 10 to 100 times as much work as um photography so i think when we were leaving on the trip we thought oh maybe we'll film stuff and put together videos and um i think instagram was attractive because it allowed us to focus on photography which is a little bit less work but still a fun uh hobby for us but also, um, and through the captions, we started somewhere along the line, we started just writing really long captions that were essentially just micro blog posts about here's how we're feeling. And today, you know, we, we most of the pictures are, um, you know, in a great spot, but a lot of the captions are, here's what was really hard about today or this week, or this is what I'm going through. And, um, so I think Instagram kind of gave us a, a platform where we could, share both photography and um, our words and and our feelings and stuff. Now, you mentioned that somewhere along the way you started to write more and more uh, captions uh, for each post. Was this sort of intentional as you saw it really helped you connect more with your audience and you really saw more followers kind of come in or was this something that you guys decided to do instead of the blog or you know what was that kind of decision like it kind of happened on accident because when we started when we started using our instagram we would write like you know cutesy one-line captions with some emojis and then put some hashtags on it um and then i think i don't remember where we were but i i was I, I love to write as a way of processing my feelings or an experience and something I can't remember what, but something profound enough had happened that I really wanted to write about it. And it was somehow related to the photo that we were sharing on Instagram. And I, I just wrote a long, a long ass caption and a lot of people were responding to it and commenting and liking in, and, and they were engaging with it far more than any other posts that we had previously put on Instagram. And it was kind of just a reminder to me, like, oh yeah, like people aren't just interested in seeing a pretty picture. Like they want to relate. They want to feel like, you know, it's possible for them to to travel, you know, and 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 I think that 
knowing that it's not always easy is a reminder that it's possible, if that makes sense. And I think what I'd written about was a struggle that I had had I was having. Um, and it kind of encouraged me to just be more real and to write about what was actually happening instead of making everything look so perfect and pretty. Um, and, and the more that we practiced doing that, the more positive feedback we were, we were getting. And so, you know, then our, then we just, our egos just exploded and we got so excited. So (laughs) no, I think, I think more than anything, it was just a good reminder that like, yeah, Instagram is a great place to share photos and to get followers and get likes and feel validated and loved. But it's, it's also a really great place to reach out to people that you've never met and who've never met you and find a way to relate to other people. Um, and a lot of that happens through the writing. It doesn't really happen through the photos. So it kind of just from there evolved like that. Yeah. And I really like how you guys, you know, keep on top of your stories because I feel like that's such a, another great way to kind of connect with your audience and uh, keep them updated about your day to day, you know, struggles, updates and everything that you've got going on. Yeah, the stories are kind of fun, too, because it's like, I think because it feels so temporary, you just feel like, oh, there are there are fewer rules to what I'm supposed to do here. Like, it's not like I need to take a picture. It's going to look good in the rest of these pictures. And it, it's just I don't know, It's it makes it that much easier to be authentic and to be real. So, um, yeah, the stories, we have a good time with those. Now, I've had you guys on for quite some time now, so I want to start to wrap this up with one last question that I like to ask everybody that comes on the show. And with everything that you guys have learned on this journey, you know, about your relationship, about the countries that you've been to, about this lifestyle in general, what is one thing you wish you had known before starting this journey? So one thing that you have learned along the way that you wish you would have known before starting this, this road trip that I, that I know nothing. (laughs) I think, I don't know. I don't think there's anything I could have known that would have prepared me better or, or improved the experience because I just constantly learn that I, that there's more to learn. So, um, there's no magical thing that I could have heard or received that would have uh, would have propelled me faster to where I am now. Um, because every every place that we go, every experience we have is just a constant breaking down of what I know and then relearning and rebuilding. So I don't know that there's anything besides like you, you know, nothing. So just go and and, and enjoy all the, the stuff you're going to learn. <laughs> along the way, I guess. Yeah, that's a good one, Rach. I think mine's actually similar. Um, I don't know that I would have wanted to know it before I left because it's been a good thing to learn on the trip, I guess. But um, doing what you want to do isn't as hard as you think it is. Like I had wanted to do this trip for years. And as soon as Rachel said, okay, I'll go, we made it happen. And being on the trip, it's like, oh, so that was my big, you know, dream and we're doing it. So now what's next? Like, I really feel like it, the world's opened up. So I guess the big lesson is whatever you want to do is, is, is actually easier than you're making it seem. <laughs> 
Definitely. I love it, guys. It's very nice. And there you have it, Josh and Rachel sharing their travel stories with you today on the To The Nation's Worldwide Travel Couple Podcast. I want to say a very special thank you to our guests. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us here. Thank you so much, Mike. It was awesome to talk with you. Yeah, we appreciate it. Now, I just want to give you to the floor. Let our audience know where they can find you online, where they can reach out to you, where they can check you out. So you can find us on Instagram at the Havocosts, and that's spelled T-H-E-H-A-V-E-K-O-S-T-S. And our website is the exact same thing, www.thehavocosts.com. And you can basically find anything that you need to know about us through one of those platforms. Thank you to all of our listeners out there, to the nations worldwide. We cannot express our appreciation enough for having you listened to today's episode. Visit us at travelcouplepodcast.com slash 74. That's this episode, episode number 74's show notes page to learn more about everything that Josh and Rachel have gone going on, got going on over there at the Habakos. And leave a comment on the page. Let us know what you think about taking a motorcycle through multiple countries on a road trip. And maybe about your road trips through multiple countries. What challenges were you faced with? If you'd be so kind, please subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a review. It really helps us get this podcast out there and into other people's ears. And this is Mike Pletz and Natalie. Hoping you have a wonderful adventure to the nations worldwide.